On this episode, we celebrate our 100th episode. We bring you one of the most explosive conversations we have ever recorded. This is truly an exclusive conversation with a warrior who has focused his life on dismantling and eradicating child sex trafficking. Our special guest today is Craig Sawman Sawyer. All right, this guy is a badass. He is a warrior in all facets of his life. He's an ex-SEAL Team 6 operator and an ex-federal agent. Now, check this out. Craig just went through one of the most powerful fears any father can have. And the way he did this is that he overcame it. And he overcame it in a way by giving back to the community. He founded Vet for Child Rescue, which is an organization which destroys and dismantles child sex trafficking. Stand by for this very powerful story and exclusive here at Man of War. Rise up a warrior, my brothers. Welcome back to the Man of War. My name is Rafa Conde, and of course, I am your host. More importantly, a man on a mission here to transform you into a modern-day warrior. Now, check this out. We are celebrating our 100th episode, and we are kicking it into high gear. What we have today here is an exclusive, all right? You're going to love this, and it's not for everyone, okay? Because it's going to be a very powerful, dynamic conversation, and we go deep, deep into human trafficking and child sex trafficking. And I want to tell you something, all right? This is a very emotional conversation. So hopefully you'll enjoy it and you'll get a lot out of it. I want you to share it because this story needs to be heard. This movement needs to be heard. All right, guys, check this out. The Conclave of Warriors, downtown Miami, December 1 and 2. I want to see you there. This is the most important, the most powerful event of the year, and it's going to blow your mind. We're talking an event that is for everyone from every walk of life. It doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. All right, it is geared towards entrepreneurs, CEOs, business owners, and warrior-minded individuals. But like I said, you can come from any walk of life and you are going to get so much out of this two-day immersive experience. Go to conclaveofwarriors.com and get your tickets right now. All right, guys, and listen, we have made it to our 100th episode here because of you, because of your support. All right, since day one, since episode one, we have been climbing the charts every single week. I don't recall a week that was maybe maybe a couple of times throughout, but for the most part, every single week, every single month, we have outdid the last, and we continue climbing every freaking episode. I love it. All right, I love it because it's about you. It's about understanding what you guys want, what you need out there. And more importantly, I love the emails, the DMs that I get. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being part of this movement. And again, thank you for making the Man of War podcast a great success. It has been because of you, my brothers, all because of you. Now, if you can do me a favor, go to iTunes, leave us a review. It'll be kind of like our birthday gift here, 100th birthday episode. All right, that would be phenomenal if you can just leave us a review on iTunes so we can continue trending higher on these iTunes charts. All right, guys, without further ado, let's jump right into this episode. 
Craig Sawyer, welcome to the Man of War podcast, man. It is an absolute honor to have you on. Rafa, thank you. I appreciate you having me on and giving me an opportunity to talk about what's happening. Man, I've been wanting to get this, this all man on for quite some time, and I'm, I'm just honored that you're on. Hey, can you introduce yourself for our audience, please? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, my name's Craig Sawyer. Most people call me Sawman, and it's just a play on my last name. So that's what uh, high school football and, and uh, all the different teams that I've been on, they've, they've called me. So I, I grew up in southern Texas, very rough uh, boyhood, outdoorsy type of thing, as was the culture there. Loved it. Uh, my dad was a pastor of a church, and, uh, and I grew up in a spiritual household, just a very loving, uh, supportive, healthy home. And then I went off to the Marine Corps and the SEAL teams, and then I even made it to Dev Crew, so I got to operate at the highest level of counterterrorist operation and all over the world doing stuff there. And I uh, was a decorated combat veteran, just worked with some of the best men on earth. I'm such, such... It's such an honor to have known these guys and worked with them, been been part of the team. And uh, then I did five years of federal law enforcement in the Air Marshal Service. I blew a whistle, blew the whistle on an SES level executive who they uh, fired for gross mismanagement. Boom. <laughs> uh, in Las Vegas, Las Vegas. Yeah, he had uh, he had come from the FBI. I guess the F FBI had gotten rid of him prior to that, and then he came to the Air Marshal Service, and uh, he started making a mess there. So I had to report him and and. Uh, I was retaliated upon extensively. Horrible situation there, unjust. But uh, nobody would intervene and stop the retaliation. So I left and I started doing high threat dignitary protection as an agent in charge um, over in the war zones for several companies uh, that worked for the Department of State and another agency that we don't talk about, protecting our diplomats and our intelligence community officials as they did all their official U.S. government business in the highest threat zones there are. So that was fantastic. And then I started transitioning home to be around the kids more and the wife more. And I realized my, I was providing for my family as best I could financially, but the kids were growing up without me. So that wasn't, that wasn't quite working. Yeah. And so I tried to you know do some technical advising and film and television. And then that morphed into a bunch of other things. And then I realized, man, uh, uh, that there's more that I can do because I got hired to, to do some counter poaching work in Africa um, by a South African Special Forces veteran. They filmed it and called it Battleground Rhino Wars. And so now uh, we've we've got a situation where I founded Veterans for Child Rescue, and we haven't told the story until now about what happened to our daughter and what happened with her case and why this all came about. So I'm ready to talk and my daughter's ready to have her story told. Awesome. So about to let fly, brother. Awesome, man. Awesome. And so, you know, basically, um, I've been trying to get you on for, for our listeners. I've been trying to get him on. This man has been very, very busy. A lot of things going on. And uh, our listeners, I want you to really listen to this story. There's going to be a very powerful story. And uh, like always, I mean, we're going to keep everything black and white here and no punches pulled whatsoever. All right, Craig. So wh what got you into starting um, this rescue mission that you're on right now? Well, in March of 2017, our daughter Aspen was abducted from a Subway sandwich parking lot at Knife Point 
and sexually assaulted for five hours. He took her with a knife to her throat and, uh, and he took her from that parking lot. And I was awoken. I was awakened by our wife who was pretty much hysterical saying, Oh my God, she was crying, honey, wake up. It's Aspen. She's been raped. And I could hear our daughter screaming through the phone hysterically. And so, uh, speaking of men, speaking of warriors, just imagine uh, the most precious thing you've, you've got. Um, imagine your, your family being attacked like that and waking up that way. So I was ready to just, uh, I woke up in a rage and, and heartbroken rage. So that's, yeah, yeah, it, it was, it was a surreal moment. And, uh, so the, the, so we, we, we got our daughter back. She was able to figure out how to escape alive. And he had told her that uh, none of the other victims had, uh, that he had killed them all, that uh, none of them uh, escaped him or survived. And she figured out uh, what it would take to get away from him. And, and we'll tell more of those details later. But we were able to get our daughter back she was able to get away from him and i so when she was on the phone i said sweetie pull over i'm coming to you where are you and she said i'm not stopping for anything smart she was just screaming and driving and i was worried about her ability to drive and uh she was hysterical but she would not stop she would not stop i'm like sweetie i'll have the the sheriff's department the PD intervene, maybe just pull over and be safe. And she's like, I'm not stopping. So she, she came here and we got her and we took her to the hospital. And, uh, the lead detective, um, said, are you the father? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, uh, well, it, just please realize it'll probably take us quite a while to find, uh, the, the perpetrator and so just be patient. And I said, well, you don't have any time if you plan to beat me to it. And she just looked at me and she looked at my wife and she looked at her partner and she said, please excuse us. And they went outside and then they came back in a time later, maybe 20 minutes. And she said, Mr. Sawyer, we've made this our first priority. We plan on, we, we hope to get him very soon and my wife whispered in my ear, they Googled your name. They Googled you. <laughs> oh, yeah, who, who they were talking to because who says that? You better, you better be quick to get to him before I do because that's where I was at. And I'm sure any sure. father could understand. Oh, man, of course. So, Craig, I want to take you back, okay? That's a very powerful story right there. So, first of all, this happened in, I guess you were sleeping. How old is your daughter? She had just turned 18, brother. All right. So she had just turned 18. And I mean, me, that I have a five-year-old girl, and uh, I can't even fathom the thought of that happening. How did you feel when you, I mean, how did you compose yourself when you heard that, when your wife gave you that phone? Well, I think that type of impact is only able to be overridden by a lifetime 
of multi-million dollar training and international experience. I've been to 57 countries. And I've, uh, I'm a decorated combat veteran. I've, you know, I, I'm a pretty doggone inoculated to stress. I've got 600 free fall skydives in all kinds of conditions at night and um, uh, combat operations. And I've been in helicopter crashes and automobile crashes and, and all kinds of violence and stress and, and betrayal and tragedy. And I think it's just through a lifetime of experience of being through all that was I able to just calmly breathe through this attack and this defiance of, of our family and just go through the motions of addressing it and making sure our daughter was okay, making sure that she was safe and that there was no further threat, and then going through the process of bringing justice about. And uh, that all of that composure came about through that level of training and experience. That's awesome. Just life experience. Yes, sir. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Because, I mean, the training that your background is absolutely phenomenal, but to deal with something like this to, with your daughter at home, that makes all your training worthwhile, but it also makes it, in comparison to what happened here, minute. I could only imagine the impact that that had on you at that moment. Um, you know, having someone so close like that, especially you know your daughter, man. I'm, I'm, you know, that's very powerful stuff. So then you called her, or I mean, you you were in communication. What happened after that? After the detectives kind of follow up on that story a little bit when the detectives met her there I'm, you know I'm, I'm pretty familiar with what happens uh, with rape victims and and how the investigation goes but for our audience yeah well we were at the hospital so we my wife and I had taken our daughter Aspen to the hospital she Aspen came all the way home and uh and I had a sheriff's department uh, waiting here uh, so when Aspen got home, she she had a warm and safe reception. So we loved on sure. her, and we transported her immediately to the hospital. We asked her, uh, Aspen, it's very critical that if you want this scumbag held accountable, that you cooperate with the procedures to go through what they refer to as the rape kit Um the investigation and that you give the doctors the access that they need and law enforcement, the questioning, the level of questioning that they need to get the information that will allow them to prosecute this scumbag. And she says anything they need, anything. Wow. That's great. And you that's know, fun. Rafa, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, as well as I do, not all women are willing to, because it's invasive the, the questioning process is painful because the, 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 the victim has to relive and go through the details and say it out loud, and it is, it is not fun. It is not fun. Absolutely. And, and the, the examinations that are done to them and the, the questioning is not something that anybody wants to, to experience. Nobody wants to go through that. 
And she now, was willing, not only willing, but determined and every, every possible thing they could want. She was so determined. We are so proud of that brave little girl. Awesome. She Love was it. willing to do anything. And we knew. Now, did you teach her that? No, did you, dude, did you teach you her that mindset? That? Uh, look, if you think you're going to teach a, a, an 18 year old girl anything, <laughs> all you can do, especially when she's got the iron willpower of that little girl, dude, I can teach her certain things and I can let her know that she is loved and I can encourage her to do things. And But if sure. you think I can force her to clean up your room, you would be fooling yourself because yeah. we, man, we all we can do is try. And your kids, right. they come out of the womb completely different human beings, completely different yep. entities. Our boy, all he's got to do is have an idea of what you want, and he's going to make it happen. We call Damn him right. the Z button. He'll just do the whole thing. <laughs> he's just a good kid, and Aspen will fight you. She will knife fight you over and stuff just because she's strong-willed. She's precious, and she's beautiful, and she's brilliant. I mean, she's strong-willed. Hey, my brother, it's just a quick break in the action. Listen, the Conclave of Warriors, downtown Miami, you have to be there. December 1 and 2 inside the Ash Auditorium at the James L. Knight Center. We're going to be right inside also the Hyatt Regency Hotel for some breakout sessions, Q&A sessions, and of course, that PT session with Ray Care by the Miami River. That's going to rock your boat right there. It's going to be a very powerful PT session, very inspirational, motivational. Of course, it's optional, but man, I would say if you are into fitness, you're going to love that. We're also going to have on our first day, it's going to be an extremely powerful presentation. It's going to knock your socks off. It's going to inspire you. It's going to motivate you. But most of all, it's going to change you forever. We're going to connect with you one-on-one. Have no doubt about that. Now, listen, we're also going to have a VIP meet and greet party. And of course, an inner circle breakfast in the morning of the second day. There's a lot packed into these two days and you cannot afford to miss it. I'm telling you right now, if you're a businessman, if you own companies, bring your staff, bring your guys, bring your girls, whatever it might be. We have a mix of individuals from different walks of life, but these guys are all striving to step up to that next level, to step up to that elite level. All right, guys, let us guide you there. Go to conclaveofwarriors.com and get your ticket today. And she's going to do what she wants. So, no, I didn't teach her, you know, to be that way. She just kind of inherently had it in her DNA. Her mother is Irish and Cherokee, and she takes no grief off of anybody, you know. And I'm Catawba and, and Norwegian. So uh, I'm a warrior and, and, a, and a Viking. And so our daughter, there you go. four directions, man. That girl, there is no chance she's going to take a take any grief from anybody, man. So she's just I love that. <laughs> and we're, we're awesome, we're, awesome. You want your daughters tough, right? You want them yes. uh, to have that fight in them because that's what that's what protects. Yes. Absolutely, hundred percent. You know, I mean that that what you're saying is crucial. I mean, the fact that she was willing to talk willing to to kind of relive the moment and people don't realize that going back into into such powerful moments and speaking to law enforcement people that are unfortunately they have to be invasive at that moment because they have to get every detail and to relive that takes a very very strong person no doubt Greg all right so kind of take me from here now once this happened, I imagine this just 
stirred you up inside. I mean, you had so much fire. How did you take that up to the next level to achieve and, and kind of go where you are going now? Well, in so that was in March of 2017. In April, the next month, our family officially founded Veterans for Child Rescue. That was our answer. That was our response. We were going to attack what had attacked our family. We were going to fight back, all of us. And the mission, folks, of Veterans for Child Rescue is to expose and combat child trafficking on every front. And what I, when I learned, when I started investigating what happens, why are so many young ladies and boys abducted and raped and taken and sold. Why does this happen? And why is it, why does nobody know about it? Why is it so quiet? I started learning that, oh yeah, this is a giant, this is the fastest growing criminal enterprise on earth. It's an estimated. Billions and billions. It's estimated as a hundred and Fifty billion dollar yeah. industry, yeah. and that's why it's quiet. Because look at who owns the mainstream news media. Look at who owns big Hollywood. Look at the execs. Look at who they are, and how many of them are implicated in pedophilia and child trafficking cases. They will not tell the public because that's what they're into. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. So I feel a a an overwhelming urge to just rip the silence off of the, 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 this criminal enterprise to turn all the lights on and disrupt it, to invade the darkness, to, to just shine the light on it and say, look, America, we've got a serious problem. This is what's destroying our next generation. Because through millions and millions of children being psychologically traumatized by repeated rape and pedophilia, their little psyches are being destroyed and they're being rendered victims and ineffective in their life. They, it's hard for them to reformulate a proper response and an effective path in their life. God bless every one of these little victims. My heart goes out to them. And we have to fight back. We have to defend the defenseless. We can't just turn away and go, oh, yeah, sorry for them. Someone should help those kids. Law enforcement are doing all they can in most cases, but a lot of them are underfunded. They're overmanned, or they're undermanned, and they're overtasked. They've got murderers, they've got bank robbers, they've got drug runners, and they've got people trying to catch them making a mistake. Their their law enforcement have uh, the news media trying to paint them as being mass murderers of minorities. It's statistically false. There have been bad cops. There have been bad priests. There have been bad people in all aspects of our society. But our law enforcement are under assault from all sides, and they can't solve child trafficking by themselves. And what I found out, Rafa, by looking at all my former law enforcement colleagues and senior officials and talking to my brothers out there that are serving and protected, what can we do? They're like, man, uh, there, there is a brilliant solution with an NGO and LEO organizations that we can work together in ways that we cannot separately. And we can gain a more effective yield 
of these predators and take them off the streets in a way that we never could alone because our hands are tied in each capacity to a certain way that when we unite, there's there's a, a list of opportunities that we do not get otherwise. And that may be the solution. So we have been working on a unity and, and a relationship with law enforcement that is unique and new and very powerful and our opportunities to, to liaison and create joint operations is, is literally exploding and taking off. Um, That's phenomenal. Yes, sir. We're, we're thankful for that. So um, it's, it's, it's really, really, really good. So for our listeners, Craig, can you kind of define what human trafficking is for those that may be new to this or just starting to hear it now. Some, there's a lot of confusion out there what human trafficking is. I mean, there are a lot of different levels uh, to this. And um, being that I'm in Florida and we're one of the, I think, top five or 10 states out there for, for human trafficking, uh, it's it's uh, it's a, something that's going on big time right now. Can you just let our listeners know, give them a little bit of a glimpse of what human trafficking is? Yeah, well, essentially, human the, the concept is selling a human against their will, making money off of another human being uh, in an effort that is against that person's best interest. So there are a lot of labor trafficking uh, going on. There's There are a lot of people worldwide that are sold for labor and they're not able to benefit from their their own earnings. Uh, and there's also sex trafficking. So uh, pimps and and, uh, and 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 syndicate uh, criminal criminal um, uh, well to put whatever titles you want on it. But people that are running criminal enterprises that are are selling, uh, distributing people around the globe. To make money and to for on people whose lives are not their own, they are held captive. They're either held physical captive to do this, or they're held financial captive. And the way the financial captivity works is uh, they they psychologically traumatize and enslave people by making them believe that they have no ability to leave, or they they threaten to harm their families, or hey, you need to do this to send money to your family. That's what, what's done in Central South America and Asian countries. They'll go and take these young ladies from the mountain villages and take them down into the cities and sell them in the bars and brothels and make them work there and say, hey, you, you have to do this because a portion of that you can send back to your family. And if you don't do this, your family won't eat. And so they feel like they're psychological um, slaves to it. Others, they're beaten they're drug abused by their pimps, and they are are, are uh, threatened that they'll be killed if they run or try to escape. So there's a wide scope of it, but essentially human trafficking means using humans like a commodity, using them like a product and buying and selling them uh, like they're an object rather than letting them be in charge and being free human beings. It's it's diabolical. It's beneath us as a human race, and it shall not be allowed to, to stand. It is modern-day slavery, and we need to rise up against it. 
So where do you see human trafficking coming from? Is it typically from, from the Latin American countries? Well, a lot of what's going on in the United States are, are controlled by the Mexican cartels. Uh, there are other uh, gangs, um, Crips, the Bloods, MS-13 that, that, are, uh, that are in on it now. They've, the cartel, can, they've figured out that they can consolidate all of this. And even though the different gangs don't work well together, they could all make more money if they cooperate even in their separate regions, on moving uh, children around the country for sale. So that's the way that it works uh, in the United States. Now, there's a lot of big politicians that are in on it. Uh, D.C. is a, is a big uh, consumer. So a lot of our politicians and, and uh, political uh, elites uh, in New York and D.C. are, are heavily uh, in demand for children with the, uh, either ritual abuse or just perversion of raping the children uh, and whatever weird thing they're into. Hollywood's another big epicenter. Uh, they like to have, you know, sometimes apparently hundreds of naked boys running around pool parties. I mean, just, just perverts in some cases. It's about the sex. Other cases, it's about uh, uh, physically abusing the children with, with people through whatever uh, reason get off on actually causing harm to the kids. Uh, sometimes there's organ harvesting for illegal, um, so illegal Gregor, surgeries and that, things like that, or organ are, donors. Are you telling me that we, that we as, a, as a country, are our own consumers? Like, in other words, these people are coming in here, and you're saying – you know, people in Hollywood, people in, in, in certain levels of government are actually financing and, and, and being customers to these cartels and, and, and kind of leading this movement. Yes, yes. I mean, un I, I, unfortunately, Rafa, it's true. And to answer your question, yes. Uh, the, the, the white Western male is the primary consumer of child sex. That comes all the way back from Alfred Kinsey back in the 1950s. Uh, Kinsey, I believe, described himself as a sadomasochistic pedophile. So he loved pain and he loved sex with children. And he went around politicking to normalize child rape in our legal system. So our laws have been softened to it because of Alfred Kinsey's campaign and, and falsified studies. Our psychological systems have been softened to it, and our academic systems have all been softened to child rape because of Alfred Kinsey. So fast forward, we've raised three generations of pedophiles, so it has multiplied. So that's why we've got an epidemic now, because people think that it's somehow normal and, 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 uh, and healthy and okay to rape children. It's not. It destroys their lives. Their little psyches are shattered. The trauma. Of course. Absolutely. The adult victims will tell you. And that we interview a lot of them with our documentary and to let people know the, the harm. We must not engage in sexual activity with children under any circumstance. A child cannot advocate them, uh, for themselves against a, an adult predator. A, a horny, perverted man that wants sex with a child 
can can manipulate a child into doing it. And even though the kid isn't screaming and punching and fighting and bloody for all, all his life, doesn't mean that he's okay with it. A, a predatory adult can manipulate a child and, and, and get what they want, but it doesn't mean that it's not absolutely wrecking that child's psyche emotionally and psychologically, and that's what we learn is, is the case. When those children grow up to be adults, they can tell you exactly what they really thought, and they were not okay with it. And so that's what we have to let people know. So it, it's a horrible, horrible situation. So if you go into Bangkok, Thailand, I forget the exact percentage, but it's roughly two-thirds of all men who step off of an aircraft in Bangkok participate in the sex trade there in one form or another while on that trip. So That's unreal. They, in Bangkok, they realize if you're a white man getting off a plane, the odds are that you're there to participate in their sex trade. So um, it's, yeah, it, it, it's sad, and they know that uh, in the Philippines is another example. I just met with senior law enforcement officials there a couple months ago. Uh, they explained to me, Craig, we know that when we make an arrest uh, for someone that, that's having sex with children, that the overwhelming majority of them will be white Western males. And it's heartbreaking. It's humiliating. It's shameful for me. I'm a white Western male, and I would never do that. And I know most of us would not. But the the perverts do go there to abuse the children, and they do go to Central and South America to be, to abuse the children in that way. And they they they'll pay so much money, and the demand is so great that they they will traffickers who are the, the delivery boys, if you will, for the kids will bring the children here for the, the for the consumption. So that's the So what do you, what what do you think Greg? What do you like for example Hollywood and certain levels of the government? Why do you think that hasn't, you know, leaked out more where people would actually be knowledgeable to what's going on because I got to tell you, I mean, as much as you hear um, you know, you, of course, you're, you're always hearing different things left and right, and you don't know what's real. But something as powerful as this, as raping kids, as human trafficking, I mean, why haven't we heard about this more? I think one word, really, monopoly. There has been a monopoly gained on all of the social media apps, the platforms, they're all owned by people of one mindset. They are distinctly of one mindset, and they are friendly towards pedophilia. Our mainstream news media, if you trace back who are the entities that own all of the American mainstream news media, it used to be quite a few entities. Now it's down to five, and some say it's even only four entities that ultimately own all of our mainstream news media. What are the mindsets of those people? They're friendly. That's scary. They're, it is scary. They are friendly yep. to pedophilia. So they're not going to alert us against it. Uh, look at Hollywood. Look at the execs that own all of the major studios. What is their mindset? What is their outlook? Are they friendly to pedophilia? You betcha they are. And it's starting to leak out, Rafa. People are starting to know. People are starting to expose it. And I'm not the only one. Thank God. For everybody that's sounding the alarm. But what I would caution people on 
is running off wild on theory without facts. Having been a federal criminal investigator, I can caution people, you need to, to source your information on fact. Rumor on the internet by irresponsible people is not fact and it is not anything that you need to repeat. You need to start digging and verify. And only when you have something that is verified should you begin repeating it and, and starting to highlight it. Because if, if you repeat rumor or conspiracy theory or, or slander that is not real and is not true, you are clouding the waters and you're doing great harm to the real problem. Child trafficking and pedophilia is a horrific scourge against the youth, not only of our country, but of the world. Let us not, let us never be part of clouding the water and make it harder for investigators to get the real perps and the real arrests and, and the real successes for the children. So I've seen a lot of that. I've seen people run wild with all kinds of ridiculous theories and really uh, muddy the waters and cause confusion. Shame on those people. Let's let that stop right now. And in fact, I say that wherever you see that kind of nonsense, please share this link for this broadcast and, and let them see the harm that they're doing and, and encourage them to get to where they're more professional in their outlook and they're more diligent and more careful and more effective if they really want to help in their research and their fact-checking and, and start to learn what really is going on and then share that. And, and through that type of careful investigation, we can do some real good. And that's what I encourage people to do. That's awesome. Very powerful words right there, Craig. No doubt. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here in a little bit. Give me some names of people in the government right now that you think might be involved in this. Well, uh, instead of taking that route, Rafa, let me tell you someone in the government that we, we are um, in the local government that we're dealing with right now. We're trying to get Perfect. Uh, justice it. for our daughter. So the man that, that put a knife to our daughter's throat and took and raped her for five hours is named Johnny Angel Salazar. He is a legal citizen of the United States, but he is a lifelong violent sexual predator and criminal. What the fuck is he doing out on the street? That's the question. Well, he had a warrant out for his arrest for months when he abducted our daughter. He should not have been on the streets, Rafa. He should not have been there. What happened to our daughter should have never happened. Now, let me say this. I love and appreciate the, the officers of Tucson Police Department and Pima County Sheriff's Department and Pinal County Sheriff's Department. I know so many of them. They have my back and I have their backs. They are good people and they are doing their jobs in good faith. Most of them overwhelmingly fighting very hard. They are undermanned. They are overworked. They are underpaid. And, and they are fighting a system that in a lot of cases don't have their, doesn't have their back legally. So we, so they, they captured the, um, uh, TPD, 
captured my daughter's attacker. God bless them. I was even Good able job. to meet the, the officer that made that stop. Somebody at, at, at a public event that knew me said, hey, Craig, uh, would you want to meet the officer that actually uh, made that arrest? I said, yes, I would because I, I would want to hug his neck. And he said, he's right Damn, here. Awesome. And so, yeah, I got to thank him. And, and he, he's, he was just doing his job. But he said, you know, I, I was glad to make that arrest. And uh, and and I uh, hope you see justice uh, further. So the judge, his name, uh, and let me before before I introduce the judge, our daughter has been waiting 18 months for the trial of her attacker. And she has been re-traumatized ex- extensively again and again and again as Johnny Angel Salazar fires his public defenders and then decides to represent them himself and then decides that he is uh, incapable, he's not competent, and then goes to another hearing and then rehires another public defender. He has been through 14 public defenders. 14. What? Now, the initial judge at number... That's insane. The initial judge at number three put his foot down and said, Salazar, you are going to either work with your next public defender or you are going to defend yourself. Figure it out. We're going to reconvene in two weeks, prepare to go to trial. And because that uh, judge got rotated to a different bench, he's, he's serving in a different capacity now, there was a new judge brought in on my, my daughter's case. Well, this judge's name is Javier Chan Lopez. And that last name is hyphenated, so it's C-H-O-N-Lopez, L-O-P-E-Z. So Javier Chan Lopez is the judge that is, that is handling Johnny Angel Salazar's case and has allowed him to be on his 14th public defender. My Every time, and now just uh, yesterday, our daughter was supposed to see him uh, – uh, there was, uh, what was the, the procedure? He, a competency hearing. Well, it got postponed yet again. Every time this happens, folks, I can tell you, you could probably imagine with the trauma that our family uh, has undergone and our daughter, our daughter loses it. I, I don't even want to go into it for her privacy and out of respect for our precious baby girl. But it's not okay. It's not cool. No, it, not it, okay. It's a travesty. What's going on in Tucson, Arizona, with Javier Chan Lopez and his refusal to get control of that court and that trial, and and this this lifelong criminal Johnny Angel Salazar, and deny our our daughter a simple trial. Our daughter would like to go on with the rest of her life. She can't do that until this. She can't move away. She can't take the career that she wants until this trial is done and her life has been put on pause. Our family's under attack right now, and that's the way that we see it. So uh, I, I think we need to bring some scrutiny here to Tucson, Arizona, what's going on in this in this uh, court system. So absolutely, uh, the Pima County attorney, Barbara LaWall's office, claims that there's only been pen, 10 public defenders. And the reason that they claim that, what they tell my wife, is that uh, they've omitted the first four public defenders, and they're somehow claiming that those first four don't count. 
So they're just claiming the last <laughs> 10. And so even though it's been 14, well, well they only, only the last 10 actually count. Well, I tell you what, our daughter knows every single one of them that has been cycled through. Uh, I know every single one of them, and our wife knows every single one of them, and our son knows every single one. And we know that we're, not, we're being denied uh, justice. And so how they claim that those first four don't count is, is ridiculous. So uh, you want to look at how uh, child trafficking is being allowed to, uh, to, to persist. It's soft judges, American citizens, soft judges that don't drop the hammer. And we need to encourage our, our, uh, our law enforcement leadership, our sheriffs, our, our chiefs of police, we run joint sting operations and we rack them and stack them. We take predators off the streets like nobody's business and we put them away. We've got the district attorney a lot of times standing right next to him or right next to me, uh, overseeing these sting operations. And, uh, and these are highly effective. We're even training law enforcement nationwide on how to do this now. So vets for child rescue is very, very busy fighting child trafficking on numerous fronts and these sting operations and training law enforcement is one of them but those those operations are are really really effective and that's something that not all chiefs of police or sheriffs are willing to do not all mayors are willing to have it happen some of these big cities will call and say hey look man we're really effective we can help you serve and protect by getting a lot of your predators off the streets and they will tell us sadly in some cases yeah, we know we've got a serious problem with child trafficking, but we don't want our seri- we don't want our citizens to know. So we're not going to highlight the problem by running a set of operations. That's a pretty shitty way to look at things. Wow. That is a very yeah. very yeah. negative outlook. If they're supposed to be serving, look, I wouldn't want my family being served and protected by someone that without outlook. So I pray for the people that are in those cities. Dude. So no wonder the predators are so bold. They know that, that nobody's coming for them. But I tell you what, we've, able, we've been able to find uh, DAs, district attorneys, sheriffs, and chiefs of police that said, yep, Craig, Bring it on. Let's rack them and stack them. Let's let's serve and protect our county. Let's serve and protect our city. And let's 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 take these predators off the streets. Let's prosecute. Let's put them in a concrete box where they won't harm any more kids. Because each of these predators harms an average of seventy children each. Every arrest that we make potentially saves hundreds of children because some of these predators harm hundreds of children throughout their lifetimes. Some of them they get caught very early on, first or second kid. But the average they're estimating at 70 children each. These are serial predators. They say that a child rapist and that a pedophile cannot be rehabilitated. Our board of directors is manned by senior professionals. We've got a a Navy admiral. We've got uh, a uh, high-level college professor. We've got a senior CIA official and a senior FBI agent who went undercover, uh, Bob Hamer. You can read uh, his books. One of them is called The Last Undercover, and that means not the last undercover agent, but his last undercover operation. He'd gone on inside of uh, different uh, criminal organizations throughout his time. He was a former Marine a uh, great man, a personal friend of mine, Bob Hamer. But he, they, uh, the FBI asked him to go inside of NAMBLA, 
the North American Man-Boy Love Association. It's a legal organization of pedophiles that prey upon children. Their whole lives, they're, they're, they're geared toward raping boys, having sex with boys. Bob, hey, the, but wait a minute. You you said let, let me let me stop you for a second. You said legal. It's legal. Yeah, it's a there. There's uh, NAMBLA is a legal organization. Why it's legal? I have no idea because sex with children is not legal. So what do we do in America? And I'm told I don't have this on fact. Again, being a federal criminal investigator, we do a fact. But I'm told. And so I'll put this under rumor, but it needs to be investigated that a lot of our politicians are members of NAMBLA. If that's true, that needs to come out. So I think we need to very carefully have a look. Why would someone be able to serve a public office and be part of an of a, of a organization that is all about a criminal abuse of children? So if that's the case, we need to have a look at that. Again, no accusations on individuals, but we need to research and we need to figure out if that can be exposed. And uh, there needs to be some program to expose that if they are, in fact, member, members of, a, of an organization like that. But anyway, back to my, 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 one of my heroes, Bob Hamer. The FBI asked him to go undercover in NAMBLA, and he's like, no. You know, like, Lord, please let this cup pass from me because – I can't pretend to be one of them. You know, look, if you're if you're going undercover to sell firearms or something, it's like, yeah, yeah, you're a crook and I'm a crook. I hate you and you hate me. That's fine. We don't agree. We don't we don't see eye to eye. We're just doing a tr- transaction. We'll do the deal. You know, um, I you know, I'll give you the money. You give me the firearms or the drugs or whatever. We'll go our separate ways. We don't have to see eye to eye. We don't have to agree. But to go inside of Nambla, you've got to think and be like one of them you've got to convince them that what they're doing is awesome right with you so he's like please don't let them make me do that and they're like we need you to do it so ultimately pardon me <coughs> he did it and he got eight convictions on senior nambla executives or officials and and put them away and so you know bob will tell you that these these crooks that he put away will admit yeah, uh, from from interview in prisons. Yeah, you know my my hearing comes around for for parole uh, to get out. And he goes, and they'll tell you, yeah, my you know what I think is never going to change, but I'll tell them anything they need to hear so that I can get out of here and get my freedom back. So I know what the <laughs> parole officer wants to hear is, yeah, I'm better. I'll never bother kids again. Uh, my mindset's changed, but but and you know, but really, uh, I'll never change. And so I just tell them what they want to hear. So uh, we, we've got to stand up as a nation for our children to keep their lives from being destroyed by this. And that's what Vets for Child Rescue is all about. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. And you're doing a great job. And, and talk to me a little bit about the, you mentioned that documentary. Yeah. So the, when I went over to Africa first, to help fight the poachers and save the last of an endangered species. It was because a special forces vet that runs a, a documentary company that makes fantastic wildlife documentaries said, Craig, if you guys come over here and run your operations, uh, you could really help us in that regard. He goes, but it's not because we don't know how to go after poachers. He goes, it's because essentially if Americans come over here, 
that more people will actually care about it. He goes, I hate to say it, but if we film it, I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm not cool with filming. You know, we use secret techniques and it's sensitive. He goes, no, 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 nothing secret. But if we film you guys struggle, if we film your heart, your effort, and what you're trying to do, he goes, we, we could air it and it could be seen internationally and people will understand the problem and bring greater correction. They can bring better funding to defend the animals. They can bring greater political pressure to stiffen the laws against it. Because he said right now in South Africa, it's just a slap on the wrist if you get caught poaching a rhino. But the horn can be worth half a million dollars on the black market in Asia. So the risk versus reward dynamic is inverted. We've got to change that. This is a they were estimating that rhinos have been on the earth for 50 million years. We're about to wipe them out over a misnomer, over their or horn. They think the horn, which is only keratin, it's made out of the same thing as your hair and fingernails. That in Asia, they still tell people that it cures cancer and that it cures the common cold and it works like Viagra. It doesn't. It doesn't do any of those things. But they tell their people that it that, that, that it does. And that, so it's worth a fortune on the black market. So let's let's do this. So I thought, okay, what I can do, because the American public don't know about child trafficking, and they don't know what's happening to our kids. They all Why is it all these missing children on milk carton? What's happening? They're being raped. They're being sold. And they're being smuggled around the world for that. That's what's happening. That's what's happening to them, folks. That's what's going on. That's why we had the milk carton campaign. That's why we've got mass numbers of missing children. That's why we've got, in some cases, CPS taking kids out of viable homes and even even uh, harmful homes, and those children end up being trafficked. I'm not saying that there aren't good CPS organizations and good people working in child protective services from state to state, but I'm telling you, I'm overwhelmed with reports that that system has been corrupted in many cases and abused. So again, case by case basis, individual judgment and careful information, but we've got to break this, this plague of widespread children just being put into harm's way and nobody knowing about it. So look, Having done undercover operations, what's one of the worst things that could happen to you? You get exposed, right? You get compromised. Same thing in covert operations. Man, when we're halfway around the world, we don't want to get compromised if we're under, under, uh, uh, you know, secrecy of a covert operation and we're in there very thin without any protection and backup. Well, look, right now, these criminal enterprises – and these political um, perverts and, and the, the political elites and the corrupt and the big Hollywood, they enjoy this veil of top cover, of secrecy and protection. And I am out to rip that away from them. I am out to take that from them. Craig Sawman Sawyer of the United States Marine Corps, of the U.S. <laughs> SEAL teams, I and my father's son. And I am out to take that from them on behalf of the You're going to hunt them down. Yes. And so let's expose it, turn all the lights on, and illuminate it. Let the American people see what's happening so that we can all rise up against it as a society and defend the children. It's really just about that, and it's that simple. 
Let me ask you something about this documentary. Is it, is it something that has already been out? Is it going to be out? Are they filming it? Yeah, we've been filming it for 18 months. And so uh, we've got hundreds, if not thousands. Well, no, it's going to be thousands of hours. We've got hundreds of terabytes of 4K footage and audio from all over the world now. So all three countries in Southeast Asia, down on the border, um, operations there, coast to coast running undercover sting operations. We've interviewed uh, numerous experts and surviving victims and witnesses. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff. My, my daughter's story, uh, an against all odds um, survivor that we were able to recover uh, from child trafficking. She's a, she's a beautiful story. She's a, she's our little sister. Now we first started looking for her in California and we ended up finding her in Texas. And, uh, uh that's a beautiful story. So all of this is, has been filmed, uh, but that production company has been slow rolling this and our people, ha uh, and that production company hired a management company that uh, without saying too much has become seriously problematic and so we are looking at that situation legally we um uh, th there are going to be major major changes in how that production gets done so either we'll get all that footage uh reconfigured under a new much bigger more professional and powerful production company very soon or we will sadly leave that uh footage behind and begin at warp speed uh, at a much higher professional level uh, immediately. So we'll we'll figure out how that's going to happen. That's all part of uh, uh, a legal process coming up. But um, the, the production really is about covering the story, our daughter's story, um, our recovered victim's story, the survivors, uh, even the perps themselves. We've got access to go into to the prisons and talk to the perps, and they'll tell you what they really think. So we are going to bring the American public uh, the truth on every level. And uh, the, the crooked politicians uh, at the highest level that we can get access to, now we're not, we don't have big, giant um, government funding and grants. We are a small startup nonprofit organization, and all of our operations, everything that we have done, all of these successes, the recovery, the 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 arrest, the joint sting operations, and all the the, the school education programs, and all of the things that we've achieved, we've achieved just in our first year with with donations from people that believe in us and are supporting us. So they go to vetsforchildrescue.org and they click on the donate button, or they send checks Phenomenal. to our to our um, our address, and that's that's what we do. So this is a grassroots movement. The American citizens are taking back the future of our kids and our generation by just rallying around the kids and and, and not waiting for big government, not waiting for anybody else that won't that won't help us. We're taking it matters into our own hands legally, taking action and alerting the populace. We've got uh, people out there. There's uh, thousands of volunteers now taking um, taking flyers to different businesses and schools and alerting people. Staples and Office Max have been donating free flyer printing for Bets for Child Rescue. Bless them for it, man, because our op our um, 
our people in the, in the field, our volunteers are able to take that and inform people. Did you know the stats on child trafficking? Did you know how big it is? Did you know how it happens? Do you know how you can help uh, be part of the solution? So, man, we're, we're busy at it, and there are a lot of good people uh, rallying behind us, and, and we sure appreciate it. This is phenomenal. I mean, what a great movement and what a way to rally people around to, for such a great cause, such a powerful cause, because, I mean, we both know that at times it is difficult to, you know, to get people behind something. But this movement here is very powerful. And uh, I'm proud of you, man. You're leading the way. You're doing the right thing. And you're going out there. And basically, you're leading from the front, which is crucial uh, in my book. I mean, you got to lead from the front. And now that you know you, that you went through this or you're going through this with your daughter, I mean, you got that fire in your gut, brother. You got to keep on, you know, heading this charge in the right direction. Um, I, I want you to tell my people here, my listeners, where they can follow you. And uh, I mean, and how you can get them involved in this movement? Yeah, man. Well, our, our website is vets, and that is V E T S, and the numeral four, childrescue.org. So that's vets, the number four, childrescue.org. They can go there. That's a uh, we've rebuilt our website recently, and we're we're still building out. Pardon me, our our texts are still building out the additional pages and functions of that. We normally have, uh, I think our volunteer portal just went back up so people can register and volunteer and be guided and mentored there on how to best help. Uh, the donate uh, function is, is absolutely uh, up and running. We've got some merchandise there. We've just got a new merchandise company that um, uh, with very high quality merchandise that's about to come back online with new uh, shirts for people to buy that to help our our um, our operations. All that goes into our operational operational fund. So that's that's what that merchandise is about. That's just another way to help fund our operations. Well, what can I say? This was such a powerful conversation with Craig. Very emotional. Very dynamic. I mean, I'm pretty much out of breath here. I mean, the bottom line is that this man is a very powerful individual. He's out there. He put his money where his mouth is, and he is hunting down these predators. And this guy is a stand-up individual. I hope that you learned a lot from here. I know that it touched me very, very much. And if you are parents, uh, keep your head on a swivel because this human trafficking thing is out there, and you don't want to fall victim to this. All right, my brothers, check this out conclaveofwarriors.com go there grab your ticket ASAP before they sell out until next time your life may be challenging and full of dangers but never retreat your last battle may be your greatest victory